Opie Radio. <laughs> you got carried away. <laughs> and we're off and running with the OP Radio podcast. It's me and Carl Ruiz, the Cuban. You got carried away, huh? You thought those guys might jump us? I already had a whole plan. Did you hear my plan? It was awesome. They were going over the railing, throwing out free elbows, throwing out lefts like they're nickels. I loved your plan until you realized they were just high school kids yeah. minding their own business. And yeah, then I, I said, I, I just overreacted, Opie. Let's just wrap this up. Nothing's going to happen here. Were you stereotyping a little bit? Well, how, why else would I come up with a fight plan? You got to know who you're dealing with. Know your opponent. Of course. That book, uh, Shang Show, Art of War or something. Yes. Yes. That's a great book. Oh, it's the best. My wife must have read that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gave me a hiccups. Less than a minute in, I already got hiccups with uh, talking to Carl. <laughs> What's going on, Hope? I'm good, brother. I'm good. My how mo- far till the beers? Uh, well, first of all, we're taking a little stroll. Isn't it wonderful to be outside early summer getting a beer with your pal? No. And I'm going to tell you why, no. The humidity here is ridiculous. You can make cigars in New York City. I don't know what's going on, but the humidity in the last couple of years has been ridiculous. I'm out. Well, that would be global warming, sir. I don't care about that. And that's not real. No, global warming is real. It's too complicated. I tried to figure it out. I'm out. It's not happening. So just because you can't figure it out, you're, you're, you don't believe in it? Well, here's the problem. I, my problem is I attach issues to the people that bring them to me. And the people that come to talk to me about global warming, it's like they're friend with the records. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I don't like the person. Maybe he's right. Maybe we are dying. But I hate the person that's telling me. Now, science, scientists have proven that uh, global warming is real. And so I'm going to go with uh, what they think. Scientists are nerds, and they don't get any girls, so they're skewed. Their opinions are skewed. No, that's why their opinions are everything. They no, can, they can focus. They can focus all their time on figuring out if it's you're, if we have global warming or not. You're a hundred percent wrong. How am I a hundred percent wrong? Nerds, what they're doing is they're they're upset that they're not getting girls, so they come up with all these plans, so they ruin the cool guy's day. Like now we gotta worry and this and that, and girls are all upset. It's a way that nerds get girls. That's what computers are. You ever go to Silicon Valley? Those nerds got the hottest girls. No, they don't. And I'm going to prove you wrong, Carl, because you do have great uh, street knowledge, and I've learned a lot from you. But let's do a little simple test right now. Okay. What was your hobby growing up? Girls. Before girls. That's the punchline, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Waiting for girls. (laughs) Every uh, boy had a hobby that they were really, really into and obsessed about. And then when those hormones hit and you discovered girls, it was all over. Right. Scientists never discovered uh, girls. Those people can't be trusted. Uh, They can absolutely be trusted. Have you ever watched every movie, the villains, the really bad ones? Like Dr. Shabago or whatever the hell. They didn't get any girls. That's why they were killing everybody. We're not going to get anywhere. My point is, because they never got the girls, they had a lot more time to think about real shit happening in the world. They they had a lot more time to screw the guys that were getting girls over. That's what the... (laughs) The hell did you just do? (laughs) I just had 13 aneurysms. What is this, a bike highway? I hate this city. That guy! First of all, I pulled the Bob Kelly on you. Bob Kelly used to do that to me 
all the time on the streets in New York. He would just grab you at a crosswalk and go, huh, watch out, and you would jump out of your skin and then he would point at you and laugh in front of everybody. I just did that to you, but then a bike came flying through, and you, did you hear that car horn? That was on his bike. Dude, that guy's like super Mexican. You almost got run over by a bike. That would have been a wonderful podcast. It would have been our shortest podcast, but we would have got a lot of downloads. <laughs> Me getting killed by a bike. And it took us out of that dumb scientist uh, <laughs> argument. I'm totally right about the scientist thing. All right, where do you want to sit? We got to sit. We're going to have a beer, and we're going to... We're going to continue uh, podcasting. We're down near the Hudson River. You know, this is a gorgeous spot, and it's not over there. No, that's a terrible it's spot. Close to the bar. You can't walk a couple of feet. Here, let's go get some drinks. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Do they have bourbon here? Uh, I don't know if they have a full bar, but. This place is the worst. I think it's awesome. Why don't we wait in line here? We're going to grab drinks, and then you're going to hear kind of maybe a jump cut. Or maybe Joey jumps in right now and sets up uh, us sitting somewhere as we continue talking. Okay, Opie, no problem. I'll just stop whatever it is I'm doing right now and set the scene. Well, you have Opie walking around with his new tape recorder that Westwood One gave him. He's basically starting over, in his own words. I want to start from nothing. As he loves to do, again and again. Then you have celebrity chef Carl Ruiz, TV star, Food Network, guy's grocery games winner he's a big fucking deal they're in new york city center of the world on a beautiful but humid day carl wants to have a drink most likely break bread too if i know carl they're staring out at the magnificent hudson river and you get the sense that the cubans getting a bit perturbed with our host borderline angry well there are literally tens of places that have air conditioned good beer great food but no Opie chooses to take Carl to a place most guys bring their girlfriends for lunch during the work week to break up with them. Pretty much a glorified dog park. Get the picture? Now back to the two lovebirds. All right, so we got our beers. We are now sitting out on the Hudson River, actually, me and Carl. And uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful afternoon, isn't it, Carl? There's a dog that doesn't stop yelping. I'm going to kill the dog. You're not happy? I'm not happy with this dog. Oh, you're already rolling your eyes. You're like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah, you and your dog. That's great. Don't worry about everybody else sitting out here trying to enjoy a wonderful afternoon. Oh, boy, it's whining. It's ready to yelp again. <laughs> it's, it's gearing up. I can't stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Annoyed entitled Opie is my favorite. <laughs> I'm not entitled. This is this is clash of the entitles down here. Like high end, upper west side. We're on the water. They're drinking a, a nine dollar bottle of rose they paid seven thousand dollars for. But in this moment, I'm just a regular person annoyed by someone's dog because they don't give a fuck about anyone. You hear me? <laughs> I'm gonna start smoking. <laughs> Oh, she'll jump right up and be bothered by you smoking a cigarette, uh, ignoring the fact that her dog is driving everyone nuts down here. <laughs> That's so funny. Anyway, we're at the Hudson River. Um, Sully landed his plane right out here, Carl. Little history. Though. Good old Sully Sullenberger. The Jersey, the Jersey Ferries came and helped them out. Well, how about this? My wife saw the entire thing go down. You told me the story. It was an awesome story. Well, I want to tell it for the podcast. Couldn't you make believe you never heard the story? And then I tell the story, and you and you throw in a couple like wows, and then let's do it again. Good. You know, my wife 
uh, was an eyewitness to that whole Sully thing. I know. She told me the story. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm salty because of the dog. <laughs> I'm so salty. This dog will so be part of this podcast. I can guarantee it. We're going to get in trouble down here. Anyway, so... Uh, no, what happened was I went to the gym that day when Sully landed in the Hudson River. Ooh. And uh, my apartment at the time had a beautiful view of the Hudson River. And uh, my brother-in-law was up from Philly, AJ, with his friends. They were going to, which one? I think they were going to, okay, great. <laughs> Bark your goddamn head off. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> Oh, God. Let me take my rings and my jewelry off. (laughs) I just hate people that don't give a fuck that others are in the area and might be bothered by their barking dog or their crying baby. That's another one. I was at uh, our place, Subway Sushi, the other day. Bad baby. Horrible baby. And this is all I've asked because I got two kids. You know, you have kids or, well, your kids are older now, but that's what they tell me. (laughs) Oh, my God. And this is all I ask, and this is what we try to do. If you've got a crying baby, just at least make the effort to try to calm the baby down or walk out of the situation. The problem is you take these, these people take these babies' places they're not supposed to be. There's, there's places where people understand. You know what I mean? You go to the mall, with the, you, know, you say little kid stores and shit. Everyone's crying with boogers and shit in their pants. But they try to take them to adult places. That's my problem. Right. That modern parents don't want to change their lifestyle. Bro. Get out of my wine bar. Go to Dave and Buster's with the rest of you and leave me alone. We're almost on the same page, but now they're in the wine bar. Their kid starts crying, bloody murder, and they sit there and look at you like, eh, what are you going to do? It's a baby. Deal with it. Instead of like trying to give it a pacifier, calm it down, and then if it's really bad, maybe take the kid outside for a little while, and if that doesn't work, then go the fuck home. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a fundamental change in the way people think about things, right? When I grew up, the baby was wrong and the people were right. But now the baby's right and the people are wrong. And, again, and I see it in all types of society. You know, children are just given carte blanche because they're children. And that's why they stay children. Because if I knew that at 12 I can get away with everything, I'd stay 12. Because that was a good that was a good look for me, right? And that's what happens. That's, there's so many man adults, like like baby adults, walking around with this little entitlement. It's from how growing them up. Like I see these young kids. Like every time I punch this a new kid in the face, you can tell their face. They're like, I didn't think that was going to happen. I'm like, yes, it did happen. <laughs> these kids today, they truly believe they will never get hit. That I think that might be a problem. So I was at a bar not far from here last year, and I was on a tear. And there was a kid. No more than 22 years old. My size, a little, maybe a little bit bigger. I don't pick fights with people that are going to rip my head off. You know what I mean? And he's making fun of me. He's making fun of me because I'm on the phone and I don't know how to spell. So I'm, spe- I'm speaking out the text messages. And if you've seen my text messages, they're, they're very vulgar, right? And very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Because I'm like, ah, why would he spell that word that way? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so... The kid is mocking me, and I could see it, and I just about had it. And I'm like five gym beams in. I get it from my bar stool. He's sitting there. He puts his head down, and I punch him as hard as I can on the side of his head. He gets up from the stool, stumbles. Now he looks at me. His friend's like, yo, man, what's that all about, man? And I just look at him. The kid just starts crying. 
He's never been touched. I took his virginity. That's a beautiful story. And he just started crying, and then I was like, I got to get out of here because I just punched a kid in the face. Yeah, because now it's going to be your your problem. Right. The, but in the old days when you, you acted up and someone punching you in the face, you you fought back and you learned your lesson, and you didn't get authorities involved most in most cases. You know, These kids today, though, sorry, now you got me going. Anything like that, and they're, they're immediately on their phone calling the cops. And you know why I didn't get in trouble? I didn't realize until I was walking out. I did a Terminator scan of the room. Both those dum-dums that were at the bar were charging their phones behind the bar. Because if not, one of them would have pulled out the camera, and I would be screwed. Oh, man, that's lucky. I couldn't. It was just, it's almost like God said, Carl, punch this kid in the face. And it was on the side of the head, like his ear, temple area. And he had like that 80s enough haircut. And his hair went everywhere. And I thought he was going to fight. But he just started crying like a little. I'll tell you, being a parent and knowing where we came from and my kids having no idea how it used to be, sometimes is really frustrating. Some of the things they say and do. And I got good kids, but they're also kids. I, I would have never got away with half the shit that my kids get away with. And sometimes I had to bite my lip. Uh, before I just lose my effing mind. My kids are straight brats. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because Marie... How do, how do you handle that? Well, obviously, they handled it for me. That was, a biggest, that was our biggest clash, was I'm very old school, and, uh, and Marie was, I guess, you know, just wanted to be their best friend. You know what I mean? So it was... It was I'm, I'm like, I ain't friends with nobody. My job is to give you a skill set to survive. I'm going to make believe I'm the person that's going to not give you that job for the rest of your life because that's how I was raised. Yeah, well, I mean, you uh, just said exactly what my dad used to tell us. He's like, I'm not here to be your friend. Although we had a great relationship with my dad and loved him to death, but he would time and time again tell us, I'm not here to be your friend. Right. I, my, I was, Which was actually devastating the first time I heard it, but now as, a, as an older adult, I totally understand it. I like her. I think you like Asian, huh? I do. So far, you've been looking at nothing but the Asian girls. Well, they're, they're so nice. And they age very slowly. <laughs> <laughs> they're the crockpot of women. I don't even know if that made sense, but I was like, trying. Like, I was trying for some food like, humor. Like my people, my Latino people, like the women look 30 at 18. They're ready to go. But at 30, it's... They're, they're in the broil. Ah, fuck. Ah, I, I messed it up. Oh, I wanted to say they were in the broiler. They were. Little, little food humor. Oh, I wanted that joke to happen. I don't know if it was the half a beer I drank or the humidity out here today. You're drinking a very good beer. Founders, all day IPA. I, ha- I, uh, I enjoy that beer a lot. It, you know, I don't like IPAs as we discussed on uh, past podcast but this founders ipa is definitely all right and i'm drinking bourbon <laughs> yeah you don't really enjoy your beer you 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 drink the beer so you could drink the bourbon i noticed that oh it's been this is a long week i finally signed the restaurant off we're done how did that feel it felt like someone stole my child it, it, it felt everything bad i felt even my attorney now you know attorneys are like uh what am I guess? How can I say it? They, they're very callous, right? They're, they're professional negotiators. They have no emotion. So this was my business attorney that I've, I've had since I opened the restaurant 10 years ago. And I used to come and pay this guy when I had no money. Because, you know, the restaurant just opened and it was bleeding cash. And, you know what I mean? I sold everything to make it happen, you know. 
And I was the only one doing that. Because, I mean, Marie doesn't have any money, and her parents, I mean, they have alligator arms. Like, they can, they'll never make it into their pockets. You know what I mean? They're, they're, uh, they're just along for the ride. You know what I mean? When I do great, they're happy. When I do bad, I'm a piece of junk. Oh, that's just wonderful. Oh, they were my favorite. <laughs> Miss them. So, um, But I got to set this up a little bit. Uh, for the people that don't know, you had your own restaurant down there in Chatham, New Jersey. It was called Marie's. And you could just feel the, um, the passion that you had for that place when you walked into it. It was absolutely like having a... Yeah, another child and you really really had pride in that place and the food was amazing your clientele was amazing I used to love hanging out down there because it was just a great great hang from top to bottom that it was funny and you really did you know when I realized you loved it there when when uh, after you got fired from Sirius XM unjustly that's the first time you showed your head when you came down to the restaurant remember me Sherrod and was Vic there no, no, Vic wasn't there. I, I do have to explain that because now you're you're saying something else. So when I got fired from Sirius XM unjustly, and we, I want to talk about that today, actually. We probably should take this podcast on a, a more of a serious tone because I got some things to say, too, as well. Um, but getting back to that point, when I got fired, the first thing I wanted to do, and this is going to sound a little uh, uggy, <laughs> but you know what? This is real emotion and real honesty. Like, I felt like I had to go down to Marie's and Chatham to thank you. Why thank me? Nobody thanks me. Because um, that last couple of years of radio I was doing at Sirius XM with you and um, Vic Henley and Sherrod. You're throwing Chris Stefano and you're throwing Theo Vaughn and a few of the other guys, Mark Norman, Rich Voss before he became an asshole, and Judy Gold and Doug Benson. It honestly was um, two of the best years of radio I've ever done in my entire life. I enjoyed the hell out of that. And when we got unjustly fired, I felt like I needed to go down there to thank you personally. Because you, you, were, you were a big catalyst to that for whatever reason. Thank you, man. I mean, the way that I ended up at SiriusXM was weird. You know what I mean? Like, you, you found me and stuff. And then I started doing that show at Roland Food Court. <clears throat> I hope he listens to this. You owe me 115000 Roland. I just... Uh, just meeting you guys, I mean, be, being a fan for so long and actually sitting in the room, you know what I mean? I remember the first time, like, listening to you and Jim and Kumia, like, in, in real time was, it was like being at a batting practice at the Yankees. And you know what I mean? Like, it was, it was the most, it was the most unbelievable thing to see. I'm like, holy shit. Like, look at these guys, you know. One guy's a sniper. One guy's fast. One guy puts the show together. You know what I mean? And I see all these other people. You know, in the room, which I later realized they don't really do anything, but they were there. <laughs> oh, my God. You're not wrong. <laughs> a lot of extra. You're not wrong. I mean, E-Rock absolutely did a lot. I'm not saying E-Rock. I'm saying they would be No, but, but, but they're going to hear this, and then i got to deal with more bullshit and more hate. So, I mean, the one thing I'm trying to do on this podcast is keep it very real and very honest. E-Rock did a lot. For, uh, for me over the years. No, I, I just wish he believed in the last version of the show because I had some heart-to-hearts with a guy and sat him down and said, look, this is a different world now because me and him went through a lot of shit over the years. And I said, this is this is working. I got chemistry with these guys. We're all having a really good time and I, and I just want you to be a part of it and I want you to be on board. I don't think he actually ever got there, unfortunately. He did at times, but I think there was too much, too much uh, shit that happened in the past that unfortunately he couldn't get over. I, I don't. I definitely don't know Iraq as well as you, though. You know, the, but 
one thing I will say. I'll say this. I, I love E-Rock. Uh, he's got a very good podcast, and I have nothing uh, nothing but love for the guy and, and, you know, wish him the best, and I would absolutely work with him again. The, the thing is, what I noticed when I was there is that little back office that they all took was a very toxic little room, right? In defense of E-Rock, just of, of my own statements, in defense of E-Rock, I, I think... Uh, he probably figured before we did that the writing was on the wall. You know what I mean? He probably heard whispers and shit, and he knew. And oh no, he flat out told me. Oh. That's why I love the guy. He, he. Uh, yeah, can't, see, so we we're on the same page. I, yeah, I no, he. Rock at the end was like, dude, you're getting fired no matter what. <laughs> he came to me one day and he said, "Watch your back, Jim and Sam are going for your your morning show." And I laughed at him like, "That's crazy. That's ridiculous. There's no fucking way that's happening." I know me and Jimmy aren't getting along, but that's nuts. And that's exactly what ended up happening in, in the end. I don't know anything about that one. <laughs> Carl's, Carl's keeping out of it. Then. I'm out of it. No, I'm, I'm going I'm to stay out of that one because I wasn't involved in it. You know what I mean? And no, that's more than fair, to be honest with you. But back to your point with being in that studio with um, other guys that didn't really do much. That is so true. I brought so many guys onto this radio show that more or less ran itself. And then these guys would get massive heads. And Sherrod said it uh, perfectly one day. We were walking, uh, I don't know, we were walking somewhere after the show. Those guys are standing so close to the oven, they think the heat's coming off them. Right, it's true. And, and, and you know, and I saw it in real life. You know what I mean? I saw it. Just the egos, the unnecessary egos. But, it, but seriously, it breeds that, man. Like, you know what I mean? The culture there was probably one of the most dysfunctional corporate cultures um, I ever saw. You know, I was close with Roland. You know, I basically afforded his lifestyle for three years. You know, you came to my house. Look, we're getting a lot of newer people listening to this podcast. That's why I got to stop and just kind of fill in the blanks as a radio guy. So Roland is um, a guy that... I hired many, many years ago to be the booker for the radio show. He was very good at booking a radio show. He really was. I'll give him that much credit. Um, he lied on his um, on his resume initially, and Steve Blatter came to me and said, I can't hire this fucking guy. He lied on his resume. And I go, who, who cares? It's a little lie. I forgot what the lie was, but it was really a, li a little lie. His weight or height? <laughs> <laughs> This is what's so fuck, fucked up because in the end, Roland got me fired. I, I vouched for him and I said, look, Steve, it's a, it's a little lie. It's no big deal. You know he's good at booking radio. Let's, let's just move past this. And, and Blatter, to his credit, said, okay, fine. But, you know, I do want you to know that we usually don't hire people that lie like this. And I'm like, all right, but, you know, it, it'll pay off in the end. Anyway, so that's Roland. So they wouldn't hire Roland, but they hired all those other people on that radio station? The one guy from Britain or something, and the other, they were not good. Oh, Jason Ellis and Kavino and Rich. Yeah, they were laugh riot. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, uh, I've met Kavino and Rich. I've had oh, them. They're really nice. They're like J. Crew models. Really nice guys. But it has to be said, in all these years being associated with Sirius XM, I've never seen one tweet from a Kavino and Rich fan on my Twitter. Like I don't know how they have flown under the radar for so long. They can't. They can't have a buzz in such a way that Sirius is happy about it. They have a buzz like <laughs> that's how they have a buzz. But it's just so funny. Like I remember one time, the first time. I, but they're really nice guys. But the first time, like I was, you know, listen to this thing, and I'm like, what the, what 1988 thing is this? It was crazy, bro. And they they're gonna outlast everybody, which is what's so funny. And it's corporate America. That's what it's all about. You know what I mean? I mean, they're really nice guys. I just, 
I, I don't get it. I personally don't get it. I, I don't. I, I've never seen them build an actual audience for SiriusXM, but they survive. And, and a little story about Kavino and Rich told to me by, uh, you know, I'm naming names. I don't give a fuck anymore. Jeremy Coleman, who I used to be really, really tight with. Who's that? Uh, when I was at NEW, he was the, P, uh, the PD. I, I actually literally gave him a career. He came up to uh, New York from Washington, and he was our PD. Really nice guy, but he didn't do anything as far as me and Anthony's success was back then. But I, I would do lunch with him three days a week, and we were friends, and blah, blah, blah. And then he moves over to Sirius, and then I'm at XM, and next thing you know, he, he doesn't like me anymore. He doesn't like you? I mean, he's cordial to me, but all of a sudden our relationship went dead. And I looked at him one day, like, "What the hell? What? What's up, bro? Yeah, I did. What? Why aren't we, you know, friendly anymore?" It was really, really strange. But anyway, back in the day, because of the success of Opie and Anthony, uh, he was trying to recreate that with Cavino and Rich. This is a true story. They they were supposed to be the new Opie and Anthony. <laughs> Wait a second! I swear to God. I swear to God. Do you realize what you and Kuvio would do to those two head-to-head if you guys went into a war when they were trying to recreate you? It would be it would be a bloodshed. I mean, I, I listened to you guys when you guys were in the beginning, 99, 2000. You guys were nasty. I mean, just too awful people. And Anthony was like five awful people with the impersonations and shit. Like, he was doing crazy shit. And then fucking Jimmy with all his... Jim comes in full tilt crazy, just murdering guests. I'm not telling you the third show, I stopped listening to Howard Stern. It, it was literally that... It was that much better. It was that much newer and fresher. And your guys, the comedy that you guys were doing was unbelievable. And to be honest with you, when, when it wasn't just you, I would get upset when there was a guest because I wasn't getting my full... O and A and Jim and I wasn't getting that. I was getting you guys tolerating some asshole. Yeah, yeah. You had to be polite when the guests came yes. in. Yes, and but and play this dumb, stupid uh, game. But when you would lock on someone, Opie, on those old shows, holy shit, it was heaven. I'm like, I would, I would almost hear the click, like, ah, that guy's locked in, and then you just take them apart. I just wish those guys would remember the past, you know, smile when they think of the old Opie and Anthony show, and then just fucking. Just fucking move on, man. I just wish everyone could just move on. There's just so much fucking drama in that O&A community. But maybe one day when everyone gets a little older, I don't, mean, I don't know how much older you guys want to get, but if you get a little older, maybe for a fundraiser or something, you can put the band back together just for one day. I've simply taken the high road with that whole thing. I mean, that is a fact. You go on my social media, uh, you listen to the radio shows since Opie and Anthony, you're not going to really hear that much... Uh, Bullshit With all due respect All three of you guys uh, High road's not your thing (laughs) Oh no I've been taking You guys are straight killers But for for real I've been taking the high road uh, Ever since the breakup As much as I can Yeah well you know what The the, the problem is is What I hate is I'll I'll tell you this much What I hate is the fact that you know they want to they want to point fingers at me and blame me for everything that went on and this and that. The fact is, me and Anthony didn't get along since 
probably 1999 or 2000. We we really weren't friends anymore, but we understood that we had great chemistry and the and the uh, radio show was a rocket ship. And then you fast forward a whole bunch of years, and everyone wants to point fingers at me and 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 say he was the problem. That's why the show broke up, and that's why this happened, and that's why that happened. And I have taken credit for a bunch of the things I've done over the years. Uh, I worked on myself. I have been going to therapy for a really, really long time. And for that, shaman shit, right? And a little shaman shit that we'll get to. That story, you know that? I hate that you you brought a shot. I, I I know that. I'm sorry. All the ONA fans are gonna get mad that I just jumped in there. They're like, get this nobody out of here. But let me tell you something. That shaman thing sucks balls. <laughs> Go ahead, continue. <laughs> this is what I'll say today. It's really, really simple, man. I I believe I have taken credit for a bunch of the stuff that happened over the years. I believe I absolutely have worked on myself. My friends and family know that I'm a different person. And for those guys to spin it and make it sound like I was the the only problem and everything that happened, they, they want to blame me, I, I just can't accept that. I, I just wish, like, Jimmy and Anthony would start talking about the, the bullshit they brought to the the show and the relationship and the situation because you know it, it was no cakewalk you know working with, with those guys either and uh, that needs to be told someday and I'm sure it's going to be told I mean Anthony's got a book coming out right oh great you didn't know that I, I, I've heard but I mean I, honestly and, and this is going to shock a lot of people I don't really I don't really <laughs> I don't really read <laughs> I don't really read. <laughs> Is it that obvious? <laughs> you know, look at the picture books. <laughs> I got audible.com. I, I, listen, I, I listen to books. Oh, you're listening to the art of the deal. <laughs> you want to see a book that I'm uh, currently? Not at all. No, I'm going to do this because... Well, I'm going to do this for the reaction that it's going gonna, it's gonna to get from you. All right? I got my audible.com app. Read read what book I'm uh, listening to right now. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want this to happen to you. <laughs> I don't want this to happen to you. I love you, man. You're a good friend of mine. I don't want this to happen to you. Please read. Do you know what happens when everybody else gets a hold of this? Okay. I can't wait. Holy <laughs> shit! Yes. Give me this microphone. Okay, everybody. Oh, I'm speechless. He's reading the Seat of the Soul, anniversary edition. Narrated by Gary Zufkloff, Mary Maya Angelo, and Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> it's Oprah's favorite book of all time, and she had the author on her show uh, dozens of times. Seat of the soul, baby. This is disgusting. What's it about? Getting soul up your butt? Honestly, uh, I, I, I can't honestly tell you what it's about yet because, like, I'm only... Rich people droning about life and how to be successful? About karma and working on your soul and, you know, navigating through this thing we call, we call life. Do you believe in karma? I do, but not like how people uh, say you do one bad thing, a, a horrendous, horrible bad thing's going to happen to you. I've cr- I create karma. Like, if someone screws me, I go after them. Don't you, don't you think that's more effective than letting the chakra beads and nature and sea turtles decide if this guy's going to get his head chopped off? Well, but I don't think that's actually uh, karma. I mean, that's like that's like eye for an eye shit. Well, that's real karma. I, I mean, the, the people, you know, you do one bad thing. I did that, that, that cake stomp thing, which I truly, to this day, don't believe was a bad thing. If you understand the, the show and the person and the relationship we had with him, you know, it, it was... Uh, 
It was something I did. I, I now regret it, unfortunately, He's because of a, a dude's birthday cake. <laughs> well, it was a it was a Starbucks cake that he got out of the garbage. But whatever to him, to him, it was like the most valuable thing that uh, he's he had in his possession. But the fact is, I would have never jumped on the guy's cake uh, if it was just some random homeless dude that we were walking by. It was a guy that we really, we really, really knew him. But but my point today, I mean, I don't really feel like, like rehashing that. But like to talk like that book that you're reading. Well, what I want to say is, no, I still don't regret that. Oh, I, well, the white, the that, white shirts. Oh God. Oh, I thought you meant the the white dog. What did I? What did I miss? You missed a woman, Opie. No bra, white, buttoned down, sweated through. I'd never seen it. That's a first for me. That's very nice. I wish we could rewind this so I could see that. So, so now there's uh, now there's too much going on. So, <laughs> I, like I said, I regret jumping on the guy's cake because of all the hell it has brought in my life over the years. And I, and you know, a lot of the fans have really helped me to try to get the real story out there. Um, like I said, I would have never done it. If the guy was just a random homeless dude, it was a guy we really knew, and he was a part of the show on a very regular basis, and we also took care of him. That doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter how much money you gave him, all that. But my point is, because of that, people go, karma's going to get you. But I believe karma is more your overall um, life, not just not just one particular incident. It's how you handle yourself in life, and and that's to me, you know, real karma. I have a very black and white look on the world, right? If you make bad decisions, bad things happen. If you make That's karma. No, that's making a good decision and good things happening. If I hang out with a bunch of people with guns, I'm going to get shot, right? My chances of getting shot. I remember a friend of my brother's, a, a super nerd. I told him I was getting married. He told me, how old are you? I told him my age. He asked me questions about Marie. He was a, an actuary or something for the U.S. Treasury. Super smart guy, MIT guy. He asked me all the questions. How old is she? This and that. He says, okay. Goes on his little internet thing. He goes, I'm going to give you a scenario. I said, okay. He said, you're marrying this girl. You know, no money, bad credit, this and that. And you got all these problems. Both of you got different issues. He says, if I told you, you had a 66.5% chance of getting shot if you walked down Avenue A. But you had a 0% chance of getting shot if you walked down Avenue B. Which avenue would you walk down? He goes, I would go, well, B, 0%. He goes, well, your marriage is A. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it's all about probability. All probability. And, and, he figured out the problem. And he was dead nuts on. Anyway, so where was I? So, uh, seat of the soul. Um, so, I, I, I mean, I've worked on myself. I know you don't really want to hear this, but I really have. I, I had a tough upbringing with a crazy mom, and I figured, you know, when I got married and had kids, I really had to work on myself, which I continue to do to this day. And so... I really have taken the high road since the Opie and Anthony show has broken up. I'm not perfect. I absolutely have taken some little shots here and there. But, um, you know, those guys have taken a lot of shots, continue to take a lot of shots. And I just wish they would move on. I mean, they they uh, obviously wanted me out of the picture a long time ago. I'm now out of the picture. So they got, they got like an open road here. So, you know, show the world what, what, what you could do. And don't worry about me and my little fucking podcast. Um, and I would say this, like... Anthony wasn't, uh, he wasn't a treat to work with either. 
and to to ignore that part of the story is infuriating. Oh, oh, this comes back because he's writing a book, I guess, right? Yeah. He said, yeah, he's writing a book, whatever. But that that's what I I wish would happen, and I know that that's just silly to say because you know, no one really wants that, unfortunately, in the O and A community. But uh, I'm more than more than happy with. Uh, you know what we did together as a radio show, and I'm also extremely happy about what I'm doing now. So that's where I'm at. I, I think that uh, the way that all of you guys react to each other, um, it's like it, you guys are like old Navy SEALs, right? That, that had a bad mission, right? But you still guys, you still guys, you guys still respect each other on a on a on a different level, on a level that I would never know. Because believe it or not, I mean, you guys changed the world. You know what I mean? You guys, you guys were ginormous. You know, and, that, and that's something to be said. You know, and together there was a chemistry that was unbelievable. I think. How about this part of the unbelievable? That whole time we didn't like each other. You know, now that I have some time to reflect, I'm like, that is fucking nuts that we actually, when the mics went off, we barely talked to each other. We barely hung out with each other. We hung out when we had to at live events and TV shows and all that. But we simply didn't get along um, when the show was over. But as soon as those mics went on, we would look at each other and bam, we would get it done. Well, and I think that it's something to be said that you guys cared about the fans more than you did about yourselves. And that caused a lot of personal pain. When you, when you, when you shut off everything that makes you happy to make people on the other side of the microphone happy that you'll never meet or never see, it gets to you. And, I, and let me tell you something, you know, being on the Food Network and cooking and hanging out with people that, you know, I hate, you know, like people behind the scenes and people treating you like cattle and said, but you know that your mom's watching, your friends are watching. And then there's people in Minnesota watching, like little kid with cancer is watching. You know what I mean? You start to sacrifice yourself and you get lost in that and, and to have three giant personalities just... I, I just think in the long run, um, everyone should shift to the positive of, of how beautiful it is what you did and how you took it to Stern. It was unbelievable. And I, I'm t I was speaking to myself. I listened to Howard Stern since I was a little kid. And I, and I stopped for a second. I said, you know what? If I hear Jackie the Joke Man Martling one more time, I'm going to jump in the water. Even though, you know, I thought that was the status quo. Howard Stern is truly, and this is going to piss off a lot of people, extremely overrated in the last... Oh, God. I mean, we got to Satellite in 2004. He joined right after that. I would honestly say he's been overrated for probably the last 10 years. And he's just living off the past and, and what he accomplished before that. And, and he has incredible name recognition. But I walk these streets every day. There was a time you couldn't go out of your house without you someone. Walk the streets every day. <laughs> I really do like a fucking crazy person. And, uh, you know, there was a time you, you left the house. You were going to hear about Howard Stern every single day. I, I, I am here to tell you that just simply doesn't happen at all anymore. No shit. But let me tell you something. Just to wrap up this whole fucking bullshit. Um, I think you're a great person. I've known you now for four years. I don't think you're kooky at all. I think you're weird. Yeah, I am weird. I'm an introvert. I love being extremely silly. But I'm weird too. In in my kitchen when I'm doing my craft, I'm very weird. You know, and, and you're and you're when you do your craft and the way you look at the world, it's what makes it funny. 
but to be honest with you, you just gave me a compliment by calling me weird. I like that. Yeah. But I, I think one of my biggest problems over the years was, and continues to be to a certain extent. I talk about this with my therapist. I'm an introvert. No, I'm an a, I'm an introvert. A, a woman. The it's a woman. Is she hot? Uh, it's a woman. She's not hot. She's, I mean, are you getting weird about your therapist? Like she's like your mommy? No, it's weird. I feel like I, I you oh know, God. I no, 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 it's not I my mommy. You get weird like this. <laughs> I love Brit. Like, dude, it's like I'm talking about. We're like in a high school locker. Like, did you bang her? Whatever, bro. She's cool. <laughs> I'll tell you this. She's very sexy for yes, for for uh, for an older I woman. She's very How sexy. Old? Very sexy. How old? I don't want to give that away. She's old. Let me guess. Let me look at you for two seconds. Fifty-eight. A little older. She's not hot. <laughs> See, <laughs> I think mature women can be very hot, man. Are you kidding me? My first, I went through. I've never, and that's why I think never. I've never had like all these problems other chefs have had, like with the sexual harassment and stuff. I think since I turned twenty-two, I never dated a girl under forty. Literally, really? like in New York City. And anywhere in California When I was in California I was dating a girl That was 57 When I lived out there And I was 27 Wow yeah. That's kind of That's kind of uh, I love That's, that's kind of a turn on I love old, And she was And my friends I remember we're at, the, we're at a cocktail party And she's looking at me And I'm looking at her And then like I could see it in her head Like she's like Oh my god This guy's not being friendly This guy's hitting on me You know what I mean? And my buddy, you know, who's running the party, goes, can you do me a favor and not hit on her? Ten minutes later, he comes back and goes, can you do me a favor and not hold her hand? <laughs> Ten minutes later, he's like, can you do me a favor and make out somewhere else? <laughs> like, he just kept downgrading the warnings. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> he's like, are you guys carving on that tree? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so then I go to her house that night, first night I met her. And that's great Older girls They know what they want There's no like Oh let's go watch a movie That no one's gonna like Like a French movie With something No They're like You wanna go home And watch Martha You know Or whatever that show is Will and Grace And eat ice cream I'm like Yes I fucking do I got pretzels in the car You know what I mean So Get to her house We go through all the procedures Everything's signed Sealed and delivered We're all good right And uh, wake up the next morning and I have to get to work to my to the restaurant that I'm working for in, in Sonoma. And she's like, just uh, go in the garage and take the convertible. The keys are in it. And it was a 1990, no, 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 2004, 2003, 600 SL convertible. And I show up to work and I was like, yo, Carl is a straight up chick sugar daddy, bro. <laughs> Does not play. Carl has been in California for four days. He has a 600 SL, and uh, and I, I just love the luxury of older women. They're so luxurious. Like they go with the flow. Nothing bothers them. They're not worried about a rash or a couple pimples here and there. They bang it out. I, when you said luxury, I was thinking leather skin. You piece of shit. Exactly why people don't like you. <laughs> you said luxury and you were talking cars. So I was thinking leather interior. Oh, you, what are you saying? So you said leather skin. I know because you're the one in love with your therapist, weirdo. I'm not in love with her. I can see it. You know, like the twinkle in your eye. Look at that little. Look at that little. I'll tell you. The, I'll tell you what happened. So 
We have to walk now? Ugh, like we're not hot enough? You know I love the outdoors, but now we got to walk over there to have a fucking cigarette. This is real life, Opie. This is what you wanted, right? Real life podcast. Yeah, I kind of wanted a real your podcast. Travel log in your, in your. All right, let's go. Let's go. What I wanted to tell you was the fact with the therapist. Um, you know, it was really uh, refreshing when she basically said, "Look, you're an introvert, and there's nothing wrong with that." And it was the first time someone actually said to me, "You're an introvert." You know, I'm not good in social situations, and I think over the years with the ONA show and whatnot, I, I, you know, in recent years, I try to be more open and honest about who I am. But back then, I, I wasn't a social guy, and people couldn't really figure me out, and they. You know, they ended up having all sorts of issues with me that I was unaware of that was happening right in front of my eyes. I don't, I, what kind of introvert are, I don't get it. You don't seem introverty to me. Really? No. What do you think? Like, maybe. maybe just because we have a different relationship. Maybe, uh, what? Maybe more autistic? Uh, I would say a little spectrum y, but not. not <laughs> <laughs> just on the edges, right? I mean, you know, you got a couple colors of the rainbow on here. A little bit on the edges, but <laughs> I love the haters because you know I do have a, a a crazy mom. You know she has horrendous OCD and I don't know what else. She's got she's got a lot of mental issues. So I love that the haters are trying to say that I'm mentally ill like my mom. Now that's something that I have been worried about my entire life and my siblings. And I could, and I could vouch for that, man. That's something that you really do worry about. And I, you know, I got basically um, you know tested for all sorts of stuff. You know, I was referred to different people through my therapist, and it came back to, like, there's nothing really wrong with you. You don't have what your mom has. And that was, that was a big relief when I found that out, you know, for real. My biggest problem being a kid was I was, uh, I was gullible. I believed everything everyone told me. And then, like, when I started, like, 10 or 11 years old, I started getting screwed. Cause I was in the inner city. And I realized, I'm like, oh, wow, people hate people. I can do this. And then I became the number one hater. So I, I always plan for the worst, except once, my marriage. That's the only time I was melancholy. And everyone around me is like, dude. But they were telling you, the little I know about that, well, I'm, well I don't know what you want to like say, so I'll follow your lead. But it sounds like a lot of your, the people around you were kind of warning you before you even got into it. I look, I look like an F-16 taken off of an aircraft carrier. Everyone's waving flags. I'm like, I got this! And I got hit with a missile, like, two feet off the plane. They're like, God, he's dumb. You know what I mean? It's, that's what love does to you. It just makes you dumb. Yeah, because you're not that type of guy. You're one of the smartest guys I've ever met in my life. You're really, really street smart. My brother, my brother, who is literally one of the smartest people I know, um, not street smart at all. I remember before I got married, he's like, you sure, man? I'm like, whoa. He's like, saying that. Like, my brother, my brother who has the same emotions as Mr. Spock. You know what I mean? He's like, you sure? You sure? And like, he called me, like, what he called me when I was little, it shook me to my core. He's like, are you sure, Carly, you want to do this? I'm like, oh, my God. What am I doing? And then I'm going to tell you a crazy story. So... We, we hire this photographer, and he literally costs as much as a Lexus, right? Like, wedding photography, sh those people should go to prison, right? Because you're taking pictures of a fat, 35-year-old bald guy. You know what I mean? 
and it, it, it shouldn't be that much money. But anyway, that's for another day. So he was taking, he brought a camera from the 1800s, and it was taking those psh, the puffy photos, whatever, on silver paper, whatever. Oh, my God, no way. Yes, bro. So I got married at the Library Hotel on Park Avenue, of course. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. And um, but you would love my speech. So I get up there, and it was a small, intimate wedding. And I get up, and I said, thank you, everyone, for coming. And uh, I know there's not a lot of you here, but uh, today is not about who's here. It's about who's not here. So remember that. And that went out like to everybody. Like, fucking call us not here. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, uh, and, we, and he's taking pictures of us. And we were supposed to meet in Grand Central Station. So we were taking pictures in front of the public library, all on the steps and everything, you know, taking with this stupid fucking camera, and everyone's taking pictures of us because we got this old timey guy. We feel like we're in like, like in a like in a carnival, taking these stupid pictures with the hood over them and everything. You had to put the hood oh, over. Oh, it was the worst. I was so embarrassed. I hated it, and I knew how much it cost. I'm like, this is twenty grand. Like this is bullshit. You know what I mean? Took the pictures. So then I'm walking with my boy Renzo, my right hand man, right. And we're walking back, and we're supposed to meet at Grand Central. And Renzo goes, those pictures suck, dude. I'm like, I know. He's like, you look fat as shit and tired. I'm like, yeah, I know. I've had a bachelor party for the last two months, you know? So he's like, uh, let's just go get a shot. So we go, and we start drinking at a bar while the whole wedding party is waiting for us in Grand Central Station. And all of a sudden, we meet up with my brother. He's walking down with his wife and everything. And we come and we meet up with my wife. And she's in her, in her wedding dress. Livid. I mean, it was only 15, 20 minutes or an hour. Between there, right? So we get... I walk in. She goes, I want a divorce. She said that on your wedding, wedding day? day. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, right there, you should have known, though. <laughs> my brother... My brother... Looks at me, and I look at him, and it's one of those things only brothers can do. Like, he said a thousand things to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I looked at him, I'm like, ah, you know, what are you going to do? She's just angry. And then fast forward how many years, and then it finally gets... Seven years, it just, uh, it, hit a, it hit a cliff. No survivors. No survivors seven years later. God damn. Anyway, so... Actually, actually like three years, because I travel a lot. <laughs> <laughs> In travel years. But, uh, you know, where were we? So, oh, oh, the therapist. You know, I used to... I used to make fun of people that needed therapists and going to therapy. I was really, really, really against it. And uh, my mom's therapist calls me one day and says, hey, you know, um, your mom wants to sit down with you and, you know, and her and try to hash some things out, right? And I knew at this point in my life that there was, there was no hashing out that could possibly be done with me and my mom. It was over, you know? I go, but I'll... But I'll talk to you. Something in me that day said, but I'll talk to you. And I picked this woman to be my therapist because she really understands. Uh, oh, you have to check your Instagram now, I guess. Like this would be an important time to check your Instagram, I'm thinking. It's going long, up. The source. <laughs> <laughs> this is deep shit, though. I know, but yeah, I'm joking with you. So, uh, Go ahead. So what you were saying about? Uh, uh, well, Sully landed the plane. <laughs> God, I wish you could land this story like Sully landed that fucking plane. <laughs> Point being. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, man. I love you, brother. <laughs> Not in the gay way, Jesus. 
totally not gay. Oh, you weren't thinking that either? Yeah. Uh, anyway. Why'd you have to, why do you throw gay out all of a sudden? I, it, I was... Just a guy sitting in neon green chairs. It's a little weird. It's a little weird with the, the lime green umbrellas. But anyway, so my point being that this woman really knew my mom and... Um, was her therapist for a while so I knew if I I could talk to this lady because she understands you know the person that I really really need to talk about um, in therapy and uh, you know I've been with her about 10 years so you totally have like a Tony Soprano thing going on why do you think that OP I'm going to tell you a couple things that you do so I'm a good poker player and you have a tell and the tell is you cover your face and you make a little curl with the long part of your beard on the side of your cheek whenever you get uncomfortable about something. Really? Yes. I'm shaving this beard. You just stopped it. Look, look, you just wanted to see. Oh my God, I'm doing it. <laughs> Ew, you creep. I look at tells on people. That's that's one thing that I'm very, very good at. I, I'll tell you a story. There was a- Actually, you know what? Can I, can I like brag a little bit about that and then we'll go back to you? Sure. I'm, I'm not as good as you. I'm not trying to like uh, trump you for sure, but... Uh, over the years doing radio, there were times people would come in that studio. I'd be so nervous that they were there, like big stars right. and stuff. And then, just like you said, I would see these little ticks and these little tells, and I'm like, I got him. He's nobody in this. You've seen it, right? You know what you used to do in the studio when you had somebody? You would swat the, the microphone crane away, and you would lean back in your seat, and you would watch them. Until they made a mistake, and then you would aggressively grab the microphone again and decapitate them. And it was always a, a clean, like when you got Phil Collins when I was sitting there. Oh, but I love that guy. Oh, but you got him so good. Like I was just trying to have fun with him that day. Oh, you got him so good. You got Jerry Springer. I mean, you just knew how to get people. You just knew you, you knew how to get under people's skin. And that's what you're really good at. Unfortunately, you're good at that in real life, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was trying to get at with the, the whole being an introvert and like well, not being that social and then well, not reading that you know some of the issues and problems that were right in front of my face back in the day but real real story real talk I was at Sirius XM for three years doing Roland's Food Court I started that show I brought in all the guests I mean the only chef he knew was the one that was painted on a can with raviolis in it you know what I mean but you know I, I showed him the way I introduced him like he was my brother to everybody and never nothing you know I mean yeah, I got a couple pair of free sneakers but I don't look at that as a gift from him it's just someone else that he knew and he got two pairs instead of one like that to me isn't real life right but I remember one day I was walk I was I was in my car and you were outside with Sherrod and Vic and I was leaving cuz I had to go back to work and you're like yo 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 you see me in the car you ran into the street and you threw a $10,000 check into my fucking car and you looked at me you said thank you very much that I, I said, you know what? There, that guy did not have to do that. You did not have to do that, but that you did. I'll go to war for you any day, and I appreciate that. I, I like that you told people that. I really do because I, I, I really hate sometimes having such a bad reputation out there. Because I, I, I mean, I, I took care of a lot of people over the years, bro, and it, it goes back to. You know, having a mentally ill mom and worrying about taking care of her and stuff. And then I brought that into my professional life 
as an enabler. I was an enabler. I'm not saying what I did for you. I wasn't enabling. I mean, I got pretty healthy by the time I was, you know, working uh, with you and the rest of the guys. I've been healthy for actually a really long time. I would right. I would say, and that's At least and a that, couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't do that to try to. That, it was just the right thing to do at the time. You know and what I'm saying? Just to let you know, I mean. You know, I put the check in the bank, and then Marie probably spent it with her mom at a spa. Oh, Christ. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, lordy, lordy, lordy. Yeah, dude. You don't know. I was in a... Barbar- barbarians at the gate. I don't know if I ever told people this. So, you know, I, I, I have my mom's therapist. My mom, who, you know, ended up having a problem with her. Just some made-up, who gives a fuck, stupid problem. You know, blew off blew off this particular therapist and you know we continued you know and I never did that sit down with me and my mom and the therapist because I the hardest thing to Was do it with the same therapist that you're in love with yeah yeah the same one yeah, I'm in love with yes the mom <laughs> you don't want the mom to tell her stories about you because you're having this little secret affair with her in your head you weirdo <laughs> I got to say that one of the hardest things I ever did in my life was to pretty much disown my mom for the sake of my mental health, for the sake of my uh, family's health, my kids' health, my wife's health. I had to literally disown my mom. And it was, um, I don't regret it. I don't look back. But, you know, that's how that's how tough my um, my upbringing with, with my mom was. Yeah, I... I, I, I I literally don't talk to her anymore, and I know it's the healthiest thing to do. And Noah was the turning point. Like, I met my wife. I've been with my wife 14 years now. Who I love. I love Lindsay. I, I mean, the interactions I've had with her are so real. She's uh, very street smart. But anyway. Very street smart. You know, my whole life, my mom was just just in the way, to be completely honest with you. And then, you know, I met my wife 14 years ago, and I wanted to do things fucking different. I didn't want my mom to be involved just fucking things up with her big dark black cloud that just hangs over the room when she shows up unfortunately but i will say this about my mom because now it sounds like just i'm just bashing the hell out of her she had a great personality she was one of these people that would make conversation wherever she goes i i got good at being a talk radio show host because of my mom not my dad my dad was an awesome awesome guy but he was really really quiet my mom was the one that actually had the personality and when we were out and about she she lit up and, and could tell a story and really uh, uh, capture a room. But unfortunately, she also had a dark side to her that she just allowed to engulf her entire soul. Right. Um, and there's times in my life when, um, whenever I'm doing a big project, I put my mom on hold. Because my mom, uh, she's, she always thinks the worst. And the thing is, like, you're opening a restaurant and stuff, you can't. So I know if I call my mom and I'm like, Mom, I'm opening a restaurant. She's like, why? You already have one. What are you doing? What are you going to do? Oh, my God. Two. How are you going to do it with the kids? So I tell my mom things after they're done. I can't tell my mother things while they're happening because then she tries to micromanage them through text messages and phone calls. Like, how's the new restaurant going? Is the other one failing? What's going on? Like, So she kind of... Narrates the whatever I'm doing's own demise. She puts things in my head that shouldn't be there because I don't think of anything negative. I think I'm the best. This is going to work, and it does. You know what I mean? Yeah. And she thinks you're the worst. That's bad idea, and it doesn't work. And I and I really believe in that. And I put her on hold, and I'll call. You know, I won't call her for three months. And and it got to the point where she knows. Like when I was going through this um, with my wife, the last thing I wanted was. Uh, was my mom 
She would have been too negative, and she would have brought negative, it I brought it to so. to an even darker place. It got even darker, and then and once I called her, and she knows I'm like that. And then when she calls, and she's like, "What happened?" I go, "It's over." She's like, "Okay." Oh, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, I mean, now she's working it backwards. You know what I mean? The, the last straw for uh, me and my mom, me and my wife got married at the Ritz-Carlton in Philadelphia. We did it Beautiful. up. Yeah, we did it upright. That's where I stayed. We did it upright, which is important to the story. I probably wouldn't even have ever mentioned that I got married at the Ritz-Carlton, you know, as I tell this story, but it's important. So a lot of people to this day say it was one of the best nights of their lives because we went all, all in. It was just dead. And this is, but in all due respect. These are people from Philadelphia. So you had windows and electricity and a roof. <laughs> <laughs> Running water. <laughs> Nothing was on fire. Oh, I can't wait to take you to the row homes. <laughs> I'm taking Carla to the row homes. You're going to have to deal with some people. But anyway, um, there wasn't a person there that didn't have a good time except for my mom this is terrible there's such a big room it's so loud in here you know what she was pissed off about so we had um we had a family table and i had you know my close friends and a, a few of my siblings i'm from a big family and then there was another table for the rest of my siblings and other people that were close to me then there was a third table where my mom was with older people that were friends of the family okay and also people that i knew could take care of her because she really has severe mental illness right she looked at that as a slight uh that i didn't have her sitting pretty much right next to me me and my wife really uh Yes. Oh, shit. She looked at that as a slight. I'm looking at it as this is a really important, special day in my life. I want everything to go well. I don't want to have to deal with her problems because there's always problems, always things you got to worry about and take care of. Is mom having a good time? You know, go over there and talk to her. All that horse shit. Anyway, fast forward a couple days. I'm driving uh, somewhere with my wife. My phone rings. It's my, my mom. And I answer, I go, hi, mom. She starts screaming at me. What? She starts, you left me out there like a dog at your wedding. Screaming bloody murder. No. She was the only one that wasn't happy and, and didn't have a good time at my wedding. And looked way into the reason why she wasn't sitting at my table. And I couldn't tell her. I was trying to be cool. I couldn't tell her, like, I can't deal with your issues. It's my day. It's my wife's day. You know, I'll get back to worrying about you tomorrow. But this is my day. Oh, sh- sh- oh all right. Why don't you just whistle in the... F- I think your mom's here. <laughs> <laughs> that was the day I said, that's it. That's it. I'm not. I'm not doing this anymore with my my new life, which is you know my wife, and then fast forward with kids and stuff. So I literally did not um, talk to her until my son was born a couple years later, and then uh, I got a little weak in the hospital. And I called her to tell her, hey, you know, I, I became a dad, and you know it was it was good and all. And since then we've talked here and there, but uh, right now, you know, I haven't talked to her in about a year or so. Wow. But you know what? You got to do you. Well, the last day. Oh, 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 sorry. God, you got me going. And we need another beer, by the way. So I don't know if we should, like, stop this or whatever. But let me tell this one other thing. So about a year ago. Oh. How long is this story going to be? What? You need another cigarette? I need a beer. And and if it's going to be, like, an emotional one, I'd like a beer. It's not that it's emotional. You're touching your beard again. 
Oh, well, I'm, I'm shaving this beard, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you're going to have to find a new tell. <laughs> um, touching your beard like fucking, like you're a methy. <laughs> um, so when I got fired, when we got fired, Jesus, I hate saying when I got fired. When we got fired, the day I found out I got fired, my mom called. Of course. <laughs> and I'm th- and my, my wife, she actually she actually picked up on this. She's, she goes, you're a glutton for punishment. Because usually when my mom called, I'm like, I ain't talking to her, and I would just let the phone ring, right? That day, I'm in one of the lowest places in recent memory. I just got fired from a job that I knew was working. I knew that radio show was kicking ass, and it was so damn depressing, you know, that that they decided to fire us. Anyway, that day, the phone rings. It's my mom. I could have blown it off. This says a little bit about me, I guess. Picked it up, and she's screaming again. Again? About the wedding? She's screaming, so... We for mother. So you pick up the phone and she's already in full scream. Ah, uh, she was always in full scream. Oh, hell no, mom. Blocked and reported. See, that was the one thing I, I had to learn uh, the hard way. I used to be a yeller, way before I met you, and that was one of the issues that I apologized to uh, with some of the guys I used to work with. I used to yell to to express myself because that's all I knew in my house, and I knew like there were times I would be so frustrated with the staff and I would yell and scream at them. And I knew I was right in that moment. Some, you know, you run a restaurant. There are times you just know you're right as the main guy. How far till we get a beer? Uh, uh, I'll wrap it up. I, pr- right. I, I promise. Um, anyway, so I, I would yell and scream. Right. And I, fi- I, don't think, I don't see you as a screamer, though. Because I haven't done it in years. It's one of the things I had to fix, and I did through uh, therapy. Because I finally realized, you know, when you know you're right, and you know those times when you're right. Yeah, if you're time. screaming at someone that about what the situation, they're not going to listen to you. They think you're a fucking asshole, even though you're you're trying to tell them something. They're basically their first impression is "fuck you, asshole." And I had to learn that lesson anyway. So my mom, you know, I pick up the phone. I'll make this quick. I promise. I pick up the phone. She's yelling and screaming at me. She goes. So, I got your Mother's Day flowers. Oh, no. And me and, uh, you know, my wife were looking, and I go, yeah. She goes, it was two days late. Oh, my God. Thank you to one of our old sponsors, by the way. Because it was 100 flowers? Whatever. No, it was another one. But whatever. It was late. Uh, no fault of ours. We were trying to get flowers there for Mother's Day. Even though we didn't don't have much of a relationship, I was still trying. I think I tried to do it for my dad, who's been gone, you know, 14 yeah. years now. 14 years. She's screaming, I got your flowers late. And then she goes, and I got a kick out of your card. She goes, I got a kick out of your card. We wrote something nice like, happy Mother's Day. Hope you're having a good day. Love you, blah, blah, blah. You know, in all fairness to her, all bullshit. But I'm playing the game, you know, as well. She goes, I got a kick out of your card. I'm like, what? And then she listed all the cards I haven't sent in the last year. You never sent me a Valentine's Day card, a birthday card, a Christmas card. Screaming, St. Patrick's Day card. Like it just went on and on. Don't send her no more money. To the shelter she goes. <laughs> Screaming. And I'm like, oh my God, I just got fired from like a job that I'm really enjoying. Why did I do this to myself? And I hung up. And that honestly is the last time I've talked to her. So, so that's been a you know another year that has just gone by that I haven't talked to her. Unbelievable. But you gotta stay healthy yourself. You can't. You can't get. You can't get messed up with shit like that. No, a lot of people can relate to this. You know, like I said, the hardest thing to do is to disown someone very, very close to you, like a, a mom, 
or a father or a brother or a sister. But sometimes, you know, and I, I wasn't sure for the longest time, but my therapist, like, she's like, it's very healthy to do this. You have to. You have to put up, you know, boundaries after a while. And, you know, and in a way it's sad, but it's also one of the best things you could do. Yeah, I put up boundaries all the time. I, I give out fuck you sandwiches every day. There's a lot of people I don't talk to. And uh, I, I never try to hang out with people that are dumber than me. You know what I mean? I try to always hang out with people that are smarter than me and know stuff and they're more together than I am. Because let me tell you something. If you hang out with shit, shit, bad shit happens to you every time. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. There's nothing better than I liked in hanging out with my hood rat friends and setting dumpsters on fire and fighting and but bad stuff happens you know in the times that and I think that's what saved me in the cooking industry that I I've, I work during those hours where everyone else is getting locked up so by the time at 3 o'clock in the morning I'd come out it'd just be a couple guys left and you know, so that kept you out of trouble, those long hours. Yeah, because... I, you know, when you work in the restaurant industry, I mean, you're you're closing up shop as the bars are closing, so that that keeps you safe. No, I never... If, I don't, if I'm not working, I don't say no to anything bad. Like, someone will call me like, hey, man, you want to go duct tape fireworks to somebody that's sleeping? I'm like, pick me up two minutes, I'll be outside. <laughs> Should I change my flip-flops? They're like, no, you're good. I'm like, all right, like, I don't... I love bad shit, but uh, you got to change after a while, you know? You know, it's funny you say you don't hang out with people that are, uh, you know, not as smart as you. This is the last day we're hanging out because the left side of my face has severe sunburn right now. You wanted to sit here. No, I had to because I figured we could be a a lot more open and talk... uh, and talk if, if there weren't as many people around us. So no one else is is sitting at a table, you know, under the sun. Everyone else has a shady umbrella. You see that? You like that, right? The girls with the muscles? No, I don't, you <laughs> son of a bitch. We're going to fight. We're going to fight. <laughs> Fucking with Opie today. I, I, I hate that more I like than life. I like when you get nice and vulnerable and then I just say something stupid. <laughs> Actually, you know, I like going to the gym and stuff, and you see those women, like, I like a little tone. A little, little, little tone, and I mean slight. There are women out, there are women now in these gyms, you can't tell if they're, you, they're not feminine anymore. They're not soft in any any stretch of the imagination. Well, I mean, from what I've noticed, the generation under us, the, the chicks are dudes, and the dudes are chicks. Wow. You know, like, all the dudes, like, the young dudes that I hang out with, they're like, and sensitive, they're sensitive and, and they're hunted The girls go after them Like Nobody went after me Opie I had to like Literally Chase girls down For months And go to Buy them shit And do Like I had no I had no easy road For courtship Like the, the generation That I grew up Now These dudes are like Yeah yeah I'm Just hanging out Playing video games With my friends Some girl shows up Takes her top off Like it's just a whole Another world The girls are super Aggressive now I I never had to uh, Pursue a girl Well you're a good looking dude I never had to But they would come my way And I And because I I was I was brought up So like isolated And protected Because my mom was just Ridiculously overprotected I was clueless out there Absolutely clueless You never You never even smile at girls Like when we go out You just you're like fucking Rain Man. You don't, you don't say anything, but the girls gravitate towards that. Meanwhile, I'm like, hello, hi, 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 holla, 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 holla. Hello, hello, I'm right here. You got flags like you're trying to land a plane and they still don't see you. I'm doing card tricks and shit. I'm blowing up balloon animals and stuff. 
you're doing everything the Golden Knights are doing before they start their hockey games, and the, and, and the women still don't see you. Exactly. I have the Golden Knights opening ceremony every time I go into a bar. They still can't see you. That was really funny. I know it was. I'm a funny fucking guy. And it's about time people realize that. Fuck you. Not you, to the person that still wants to like try to push that narrative uh, forward. He looks like a Gerber baby. Beautiful, right? Yeah, baby. Yeah. All right, let's get a beer. Yes. You want to continue? Yeah, why don't we go somewhere and get something to eat? Where you want to go? This is what I want to eat. Fish, steak, mixed with carbohydrates. Beautiful. All right, let's walk. Let's do it. We had fun here. Are we turning this off or should we just walk? Well, just walk. And keep going? Yeah. All right. I don't even know. I think we... Uh, I think in there was a lot of stuff that was left open-ended, but that's okay. I do want to talk about Roland. I talked to Roland about... I talked about Roland, I should say, with Robert O'Neill, the guy that killed Osama bin Laden. Yes. Oh, God. Can he, yes. Can he get one more under his belt? Well, I'll tell you the, the, the point... Awesome, dude. I love them. The, people love the podcast I did with him, and I, I appreciate that. It was a lot of fun. It was uh, really, really a, a great conversation. But anyway... Um, what I brought up with Robert O'Neill was I'm like, look, dude, when you're with a, a tight group, like, you know, all those Navy SEALs, you know they're tight, right? Oh, is she Asian, too? No, that's not Asian. Uh, I'm squinting because of the sun. She's squinting because of the sun, oh. and, then, and now you think right. that uh, she's Asian. Oh, there's a girl you like with the muscles. I don't <laughs> <laughs> Watch out for the pikes. Remember? Jesus. Remember, this is how this started. Um, anyway, oh, speaking of Asians, you want to hear something? Yeah. The other day in my building, right, I get in an elevator. Three Asians get in the elevator with me. Okay. They got off on two different floors. Huh? Mind blown. <laughs> you are. <laughs> That's funny. No, I'm not trying to be funny, though. That's not a joke. No, my mind was blown. <laughs> no, no, laugh all you want, but my mind was blown. Three, three Asian people got on the elevator with me, and stupid me is assuming they're all going to get off on one floor because they're all related and possibly, you know, uh, all one family. They got off on two different floors without talking to each other, and my mind couldn't process it. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. You need to go to a mind hospital. <laughs> Jimmy Carter. Is that Jimmy? Yes, that was Jimmy Big Carter. Jimmy. Didn't he have face cancer? Yeah, but he's doing good, man. He's doing all right. Unbelievable. What a view you got here, Ope. Gorgeous, right? Wow. So anyway. Oh, uh, this is, I didn't see, see coming down, this was downhill. <laughs> is there any other way to do this? We could climb that way. Well, that's even steeper. I know, but it's shorter. Oh, got the carriage. Let them go. Can we borrow your baby <laughs> carriage to get him up the hill? <laughs> Oh, it is. All right, that was a bomb, but I was being serious. So anyway, um, for real, Sully landed the plane right there in the Hudson River. All right, with the Sully, all right. Well, my old apartment, we had an, a perfect view of the Hudson River, and I got to tell the story for the podcast because okay. it's kind of cool. So my brother-in-law, and you don't want to talk right now because you're working a hill. So let me do the heavy lifting here. Hold you on, smoke. Because it'll help me get up the hill. For real? Yeah. Oh, God, I hope we got that podcast sound. I'm praying we got that podcast sound. So anyway, AJ and his friends came up. I think they went to Mori Povich. I believe they were in high school at the time, so they came up to the big city, and the one thing they wanted to do was go see Mori Povich. 
And so they're hanging out in my apartment and my wife is, uh, has her back to the Hudson River and AJ's, you know, in front of her talking and all of a sudden goes, hey, Linz, that plane's really low. And my wife goes, yeah, 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 because, you know, we lived on a high floor. Goes, yeah, 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 we see planes, you know, flying pretty low down the Hudson River all the time. AJ goes, no, Linz, it's really low and it's, and it's a jet airliner, right? So Lindsay turns around to see Sully's plane go flying right the fuck by our window, but below us. That is crazy. Like, literally probably 10 stories below us. We've never seen anything like that. So they all turned around and watched that motherfucker land the plane. They were eyewitnesses. Unbelievable. Probably had one of the best views of the landing, to be honest with you. What did you see on the news? Well, I went to the gym that day, and it pisses me off. <laughs> Boo! Because I see it on TV. Right. And then I start looking, and I'm like, wait, wait, this plane landed in, was is that the East River? No, that's the Hudson River. And then I, I start looking at, at the landmarks. I'm like, holy shit, that's right outside my fucking building. I was just there 10 minutes ago, 15 minutes ago. And I have cameras all over my house because, I, you know, I love doing my street videos and all that horse shit. And I think AJ picked up one of the cameras to try to film it. And the battery was dead. You know how valuable that would have been if, if someone fucking um, filmed that? Because they, they don't really have a great video of the landing. No, they don't. Can I borrow 100000 Yeah, why? Let's, I want to buy a Ferrari my friend's selling. We can, you could drive it. I could drive it? Deal. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, did I just make a deal? Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. It's red. Uh, I don't like red. It's done. It's a done deal. We just made a deal. Yep. So anyway, then my um, my wife calls nine one one. I don't even know if she wants me telling this story. I think I have told this though before, um, and she was hysterical eyewitness on the phone. No, that they played on a bunch of the the, the news stations. So she's a radio star, TV star. This was TV. Come this way. We're going this way. All right, now we're walking. It is so hot out. And I'm walking around with a camo raincoat like a real fucking jerk-off. Yeah, because you thought it was going to rain. It's going to rain. It, it can't be this humid without it popping. This is going to pop. It's like a pimple. Look at this dude with a Shelby, a Ford Shelby shirt. What does he know about that? You don't know shit about cars, you fatso. Oh, look, it's Shande Gupta. <laughs> I love visuals on a podcast. They're the best. Did we do it? Should we like end the podcast and then we could go do a little hang? I feel like there's some open-ended things in this podcast, but that's okay. Let's work them out. What do you want to talk about? Oh, yeah. That's what I want to talk about. There was one other thing. So, uh, the Robert O'Neill interview was just such a blast. People seemed to like it. And I brought up Roland, the guy that got, you know, got us fired from our radio show. And I, I asked Robert O'Neill, I'm like, you know, being a Navy SEAL, you, you're boys. You guys are all really, really close. What's that? She must have heard me talking. Uh-oh, your mom. My mom. Let's put her on. You want to do it real quick? I don't know. I haven't talked to her in a long time. Really? She doesn't know I sold the restaurant. Really? She doesn't know I gave the restaurant to Marie. I'll just call her and tell her I'll call her later. But you got to hear her voice. It'd be great. Can we put her voice on the podcast? Yeah. She doesn't speak English. Wait, you're going to speak another language? Bro, what is this, Star Trek? Yeah. Hello. Mommy. No, yo, yo sé que estoy super busy. Estoy, estoy en la mitad de algo. Dame llamarte para atrás en un ratito, ¿ok? Bueno, va. Ok, bye. Wow. 
That's impressive. What? Like, do you dream in that language? That's a language of love, homeboy. <laughs> I tried it for six years. I sucked. I can go into a restaurant and get all the Latin people that work there all together in one room like Aquaman with fish. <laughs> you know what I mean? I could really, I could really put a hurting on your operation because I speak classical Spanish. You speak that dirty Spanish or uh, like... I speak, I speak like uh, Yolanda Vargon on the news. Like, I can do it. I do it nice. Nice. So, w- with Robert O'Neill, I was uh, explaining the Roland situation and how he got fired. I said, look, being a Navy SEAL, you're with your boys, you know, and when you get really close with your guys, do you pull pranks on each other? And he goes, oh, God, all the time, right? And then he described some of the pranks that went down, and then I... I said to him after he would tell me these stories, I go, did you go to HR? And I got a good, a, a big laugh. Right. And he, There's and no then, HR Navy SEALs? No, of course not. But the point I made to him was when you're... You Are went, you comparing Roland to a Navy SEAL? You can compare him to a regular SEAL. <laughs> <laughs> we should end right there. <laughs> But my point to Robert O'Neill was, of course there's no HR in the Navy SEALs, but when you have a group of guys that you trust and you like and you're all hanging together, you're going to pull pranks and do stupid shit with each other. That's why you were the only one trusting, brah. What, you didn't think he was one of us? Uh, Hindsight, I, uh, I would say I was right. Of course, but at the time, I'm thinking, all right, we let you into our inner circle, so that means, you know, we're going to fuck with you just like we fuck with each other, and that day I fucked with him a little bit, nothing too crazy, and the motherfucker goes to HR and gets us fired. I got to tell you, and this is very unpopular, and you're not going to like this, it's your own fault. You gave him his own show, and that's all he cared about. He actually thought, like, Roland's Food Court was was more important than the main show, and I... And, that, that's what me and you talk about all the time. Like, you know, you got to tuck in and stay in with the guy that got you here. And that's one thing that I learned in the restaurant business. You know, being a sous chef, how many times someone would approach me because they can get me for a lot cheaper. They're like, wow, this Carl knows everything the other chef knows. We can get him for $100,000 less, give him his own restaurant. And they would undercut the guy that got me there. And I never did it. And you know what? It made me, in the, in the long run... Absolutely more powerful in the restaurant business because my word in the business is gold, and they know that I don't I don't do that, and people don't do it to me, and uh, and that's the thing in the radio business there is none of that. It's like a bunch of pirates, man. Yeah, but I was just trying to be a nice guy, and these guys had dreams of getting their own shows together. So I was finding spots for them and giving these guys shows. And then you're right. Then they turn around and go, "Well, fuck the main show, which keeps the whole thing together." They all they cared about, a few of them, was their their own personal show. The poorest, nicest people in the world are the nicest, unfortunately. It's it's true. You're making me walk through garbage. Up, I'm gonna, I'm about to throw you in a bag of garbage. The um, look at this guy with the mom jeans. Ah, he works out. That's why I pushed you toward the garbage. Oh. He was very he was uptight because he was behind us with his little little shopping bag. Oh, I want to throw him into traffic. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this new beta male thing that's happening in New York. Right? They're not like real dudes. But that's what I'm telling you. Last guy. Finished. No, everyone is aggressive. But none of them could actually fight. No. I'm not saying I'm a huge fighter, but... This guy, like, tall Moby. He can't <laughs> fight. <laughs> yes, we're laughing at you. 
<laughs> just <laughs> you like that? Uh, I like how you looked him dead in the face and started laughing. You're like Carl's definitely <laughs> Carl definitely punched this guy in the face. I got nothing to worry about today. <laughs> yeah, then you know Roland turns around and gets me fired. Goes to HR for something. I did because I thought he was one of our boys. There was no harm, no foul. You know what I'm saying? But you should have seen the writing on the wall once he got pulled off the show and they moved him to upper management. You know, he became a mole. That's all he would do. Just tell on everybody. On, and not only on you, on everybody. Right. Well, so... You know, and, that goes, and that goes for Jimmy and, and Sam, too. Like, you know, everybody's got to watch their back there. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... It's not a healthy... It's not a healthy thing when the inmates take over the asylum. You know well, what I mean? Well, I'm, I'm extremely glad I'm out of there for real. Um, I'm not glad how it went down. I know the last version of the show we were doing was really, really good. And with that said... Um, and it's very easy. And you guys are all vulnerable because you guys are talent, right? You guys are just worried about making people laugh every day, right? That's your number one focus. What What is my... What does my fan base want? What can I deliver to them? Am I okay to deliver it for them? But everybody in the back office is just fucking up to shenanigans all day long. And the and the and the less talent they have, the more dangerous they are because the more that they don't like people that are talented. It happens in my business. In the restaurant business? Oh, you know how many people talk behind my back? Carl's a hack or Carl's this and that. And then I show up and it's all high fives and fucking thumbs up. <laughs> you just described my fucking life a hundred percent. I got probably fired because we went into the Howard Stern's area that day. Howard Stern is such a uh, oh god, what word do I want to use here? Careful, he's got a lot more money. Than you. <laughs> Big fan, Howard. Big fan, Robin, and the limo driver guy and uh, Baba Booey. <laughs> oh, Carl just jumped into an Uber. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't stupid. <laughs> this is my problem, though. I, I never was able to play the game and just keep my fucking mouth shut. That is one of my problems. I understand it's one of my problems, and uh, I don't know if I actually want to work on that one. But anyway. But anyway, what, Opie? You have another problem. Your mouth is still running, but your batteries are dead. Maybe you can work on remembering to carry a few spares with you. It's a portable recorder that takes electricity. It doesn't run off the sun or good vibes. That said, you'll have plenty of time on future episodes to vent, reflect, tie up a few loose ends, and make Carl want to vomit in his own mouth with stories about shaman, betrayal, and karma. Come to think of it, this episode ends just like a therapy session. Right when you're going deep, the clock cuts you off, and it's time's up. But we all know you're still talking with not one thought to battery life. And sadly, Carl's the only one listening. Okay, I'll be glad. Don't forget to subscribe and review us at Apple Podcasts. Don't be an asshole. And check out opiradio.com to get merch like Opie Radio hats, Carl's Creepy Cabin, and Beyond Reproach t-shirts. Until next time, thanks for listening to Opie Radio. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Celebration Rock with Stephen Hyden. My conversation with Molly Rankin of the band Always. I mean, you're on your second record now. Both records have done really well. Does touring get easier? Life is way better now. Just like waking up in the city that you're playing. And you're not so lenient on gas station food. We're all feeling a little bit guilty about it. Celebration Rock. Download and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Westwood One Podcast app. Free from the Westwood One Podcast Network.